in this situation and the way that we set these things up, you can't help but just feel lucky that um, you build something and people really get it. They really love it and you've added this um, element of curiosity or playfulness to a day or to someone's life or to a story that someone can tell. That's Kelly Nyland. She's currently the Director of Marketing for Spectacles, the 10-second point-of-view video recording sunglasses from Snapchat that took over the collective mindshare of all marketers and teens alike starting in late 2016 and well into 2017. What she's referring to is the almost unbelievable marketing campaign that her colleagues and her pulled off, simultaneously selling the product and creating incredible hype through the friendly vending machine bot they designed to appear and disappear in select locations. While this is the first hardware product from Snap Inc., the parent company of Snapchat, Kelly's personal history into architecting massive marketing campaigns for innovative and emerging consumer hardware products goes way back. This is Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Today we're speaking with Kelly Nyland, the Director of Marketing for Spectacles, a pair of video recording sunglasses created by Snap Inc., the parent company of the massively popular disappearing photo app Snapchat. Before joining the team, Kelly tells us that she decided to take the job without even really knowing what the hardware project was. But more on that in a few moments. Kelly had been an industry veteran working at Parrot and Sphero, among others. Parrot is a Paris, France-based company founded in 1994 and is publicly best known for its drones. However, they were a pioneer in creating innovative Bluetooth-powered hardware devices before Bluetooth was as prevalent as it is today. In 2012, Sphero, on the other hand, was a young Techstars-backed startup based out of Colorado who hadn't even put one of their products in a box yet when they decided to reach out to Kelly. Over four years there and through several roles, starting from the Director of Marketing all the way to the Senior Vice President of Experience Design, Global Communication and Brand Development. Kelly helped take the company global through a partnership with Apple, putting them into stores in more than 70 countries in less than 14 months. But Kelly wasn't done there. With the planned release of the next blockbuster in the Star Wars franchise, The Force Awakens over the holiday season in 2015, Kelly and the team work with both Disney and the Lucasfilms to create and develop a limited BB-8 version of the Sphere product to launch alongside the movie. Needless to say, it was a massive hit. So if you're a hardware aficionado, love marketing campaigns, or just curious about how startups conceive, launch, and scale hardware products, get ready, because Kelly is going to share insights into all this and more. So let's get started. Hey Kelly, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Before we get into all the amazing things you've already had a chance to do and be a part of, can you tell us more about yourself? Where are you from and what did you study? So I am a Midwest gal. I'm from Michigan and um, I went to school just as a vocal performance major. I studied music at a school called Oakland University. It's uh, I went to school with about 16,000 people and and that's my that's my story. So how did your passion for marketing and technology develop from vocal performance and music? Um, I would say that, you know, my college experience is really amazing. I took the opportunity as a part of an arts program to really get a full 360 degree view of, of arts in general. One thing that I really, really loved about studying music was the ability to 
study and sing in so many languages. And I think that initially started some of the passion I've had for a global scope. So I've had the ability in my career to take a couple companies uh, global. And I've really, really enjoyed the opportunity to just get to know different cultures and expand business and just lean into all the different types of sensitivities. So I think that was something early on um, that really kind of sparked my interest in global approach. And then when my I started a company with my dad when I was 19 years old. So while I was in college, um, I had the opportunity to get my feet wet as an entrepreneur. My dad had a business in uh, basically a creative business and, and a print business. So that's kind of how I got my start, wore all the hats, you know, did everything from QuickBooks to sales to layout and all the Adobe suite. And um, yeah, it was just a really good opportunity at, you know, you know how it is building a small company to just try out a lot of different things and figure out what I was good at and what I wasn't so good at. <laughs> that's amazing. What a way to dive into entrepreneurship, the company with your dad and kind of learn the ropes that way. Yeah. So, I mean, before we dive into what you're currently doing with, with Snap and, and Spectacles in particular, I wanted to chat about, you know, some of the other incredible stuff that you just mentioned in terms of going global with, with some companies and getting to take on all kinds of different challenges. Um, so one of the, the first things I wanted to kick off with is you ended up joining Parrot in 2004. So can you tell us a little bit more about Parrot and how you created the opportunity to join the team there? So with my dad's company, I, I a couple years after we started that, I spun my own sort of marketing consulting, little tiny um, group off and I had I was working with a couple different people and our one of our first big clients was Parrot um, they were just getting into the North American market and it was kind of a friend of a friend type situation and they were like hey we need some help with marketing and so I came in I did some market research for the company um, and just kind of started really small built uh, built a lot of press lists went to a lot of different press events um, and from there it just it grew into a situation where it was just more and more and more and more work and then um, they got to a point where they were looking to basically convert all of their consultants to full-time roles and then switch over to maybe using larger agencies and so during that transition um, I made the leap to full-time role with them and ended up being with them in total for about eight years. Wow, that's really incredible. And so you, like you said, you ended up joining the team as the director of marketing and communications. Uh, and I think they were one of the first drone companies that really encapsulated like, you know, the small, portable, fun, casual drone for the North American audience, especially like through Kickstarter campaigns and stuff like that. So what were some of the projects you had a chance to work on in terms of bringing that technology to, to uh, the audience? Actually, what stands out for me as a as a key point is when before Parrot launched their first AR drone to the market um, in 2010, there was a lead up that you know for the company's history that a lot of people don't know about. I had launched about 40 different emerging tech products that were just way before their time um, with the company. And they had their roots in Bluetooth technology. So they had established pretty significant market shares in Spain and France and some of the other Paris headquarters in Paris. And so um, when they came to the market, it was a time when Bluetooth was really taking off. And what was interesting and what I found so interesting and so challenging about this entire industry is that 
you really have to figure out how to market a technology and build value around a technology before you can help people understand how that technology is then integrated into hardware and software and and then how that adds value to their life. And I remember being at this um, training event or a sort of in-store sort of brand ambassador um, event up north of Seattle in Washington. And um, we were marketing a product that was a installed Bluetooth car kit. So something that's similar to how you have a automatic car starter, you know, installed into your car. So you could have this Bluetooth system installed into your car that would work directly through your speakers. Now, everybody's car has this today, but basically 12 to 15 years ago, it had to be installed as an aftermarket solution. So folks would walk into the store and I would start talking to them about this this amazing integrated solution, hands-free solution. And their only connection to the word Bluetooth was actually something you stuck in your ear. So it was, someone would literally walk into the store and say, I would like a Bluetooth. That's (laughs) hilarious. And so it was just this very eye-opening moment where I was like, wow, this is incredible. There's not only this opportunity to market a product, but there's this opportunity to really bring technology in a meaningful way to kind of the mass market and your the average consumer. And I just saw that as a really, really fun learning opportunity and an incredible challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that Parrot had such deep roots in, in that kind of tech space. I you know definitely knew them more as a, as a drone company. Yeah. And two other just an- funny anecdotal examples. We launched a, the equivalent of a Jawbone Jambox about six years prior to the Jambox or, or sort of the Bose mini speaker thing, speakers that became really, really popular as portable Bluetooth. And our product, which was called the Parrot Party, had a NFC chip in it. <laughs> and, and at the time, there was one phone in the world. I think the only place was in the Nordics. And it was an HTC phone that actually had NFC where you could play music music from your HTC phone, touch the phone to the speaker, and then it would instantly play music. So this idea of what we have now is BLE technology. So it's just these products. Henri, the, the CEO of the company, was such a visionary, but it was, it was um, you know, often with technology, you're either too late or you're too early. And so there were so many times where we were way too early or we were too late. And the drone was, was basically the perfect, it was like the perfect time. And so I think that's why for the company it became known is that that was like really our big hero product that we launched in 2010, really had no idea what was coming um, or what the reception of the market would be. And the interesting thing people don't know about is that it's called the AR drone, so the augmented reality drone. AR had been, there was people playing kind of with that technology and the vision was that you'd be able to play video games with this drone. And we quickly realized that it was tough enough just to fly the drone from an iDevice, you know, from an iPad or iPhone, that there was no hope of even layering in these AR experiences yet. So super, super interesting case of you set out to target this hardcore gamer demographic, and then you have to sort of pivot to this almost like hobbyist core demo. So that was a a really kind of eye-opening opportunity as well. Yeah, absolutely. What an amazing story and and journey that, you know, that must have been because like you said, getting the timing right is is always super difficult. So I guess from one Bluetooth company to another awesome, you know, hardware Bluetooth company, Sphero, you ended up joining that team there that was they were doing some really innovative stuff with with the whole gaming and tablet and AR space. So can you tell us a little bit more, I guess, about how you created the opportunity to join the team there? 
Sure. Well, I mean, you know, just being a part of the tech industry for such a long time, I was watching the trends. And I think where Parrot got stuck was um, in the space of really, really heavily focusing the company on hardware and not moving fast enough to building an internal software team. So like really leveraging the power of software for hardware. And they were moving in that direction, but they pretty much had outsourced all the UX and UI and um, the software components of the experience. And so um, I got a call one day from the COO at Sphero and they had yet to put a box on a shelf and they had sold, you know, just, I mean, probably under 10,000 units. And they said, we're really interested in what you're doing over at Parrot. Do you think you'd be willing to come in and talk to us? And I said, sure. And so I flew up to Boulder, Colorado, and it ended up being like a really a, a great fit. And so I decided to join the company and um, became and, and went from, from marketing to then leading the overall sales and expanding sales globally. So we partnered heavily with Apple and were able to launch an all you know, 40 markets with Apple within 14 months being at the company. So it's just this massive lots of travel, massive expansion, lots of localization with the marketing. And it was awesome. Apple was an incredible partner for that. They were really looking to get quality third-party experiences with uh, Bluetooth hardware in the stores. And so they they were a big part of helping us. And, you know, we felt like we matched, we matched the passion and, and the relationship that was, it was being built that way. So, and then eventually I moved over to run the creative and software application a team as well. So on the, the end of that, right before I left, I delivered two products, a product that was built for teachers and kids and parents to learn how to code for a robot, and then um, launched the uh, Lucasfilm Star Wars BB-8 product as well. And so that was a lot of collaboration for months and months and months with Disney and Lucas and flying you know, back and forth to, um, to those campuses and, and, you know, just really, really, it was a really exciting opportunity. And then the movie was uh, obviously a huge hit and the, the product ended up, you know, delivering as best we could in a, in a 12 month lead time for product development uh, to be, you know, really, really fun experience. So. Yeah, absolutely. I remember it being, you know, everybody was looking for it everywhere and you couldn't find one for a long time. But so obviously a testament to, you know, how cool the the, the actual product, the BBA Sphero was. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would just want to dive a little bit deeper into establishing that relationship with Apple as, as you know, like a, a cool Bluetooth enabled product and the global expansion. Like, how did you guys approach that? And, and what was some of the process? I mean, I know it's obviously super complicated and, and multi-step, but just globally, I guess, if you can speak to that a little bit more, like what what is it like for, you know, a startup who's building a cool hardware product to actually go team up with Apple and then grow internationally like that? Oh, gosh. Um, So I would say a lot of it has to do with relationships. Once you show up, right, and you say that you're going to do something, then you really do it. And Apple met us halfway with their teams that could help us get into these countries. And then I think where we delivered for them was really marketing the product. And it's it's one thing to sort of sell into uh, a retail partner. It's another thing to be able to drive demand to sort of pull all of those units off shelves, right? And so we did a great job in bring not only bringing the product into each market, but then creating 
programs and, and marketing campaigns that really drove uh, demand for sales. And we're able to sort of work with Apple to leverage some of their vehicles and then constantly communicate to them about the different things that we were doing in each market um, to drive sales. And, and they had told it, they told us that we had um, we were the top selling toy online globally for them for a year. And um, we were over indexing, I think when most of their products, most of their online sales um, equated to about, you know, 10 to 20% of their business, ours is in about a 30, 40%. And this is where a lot of um, sales were sort of moving online. So we're able to generate through a lot of organic. I mean, as a startup, you do lots, you do a lot more organic than you do paid. So from a social media perspective, we're just able to leverage a lot of means and a lot of trends and just build these experiences that really, you know, stoke, stoke different communities in a, in a playful way. So, um, yeah, I would say that that's really what, what built the success around the program with Apple. That's an amazing story to hear. And obviously communicating with Apple only continued to reinforce that relationship building you mentioned. So continue on that thread of innovating in hardware. Today, you're the director of marketing for Spectacles at Snap. So can you tell us a bit more about Snap and what it was like joining the team there? Um, gosh, it's so funny. I sort of feel like instead of, you know, creating these opportunities to, to work at different places, I sort of stumble into them. <laughs> and it was very similar to the opportunity at Snap. I, I just got a call from a teammate actually here one day, uh, received an information, like a message on LinkedIn and called and talked to them. And I just said, you know, thank you so much for your interest. But I think you have the wrong number. Like I, you know, my, my passion is really in, um, in startup and I, you know, I have very entrepreneurial spirit. I like a lot of freedom and I, I work on hardware. You know, I love products. I love adding value around, you know, emerging tech products. And they said, no, 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 we're serious. We, we have something we think you might be interested in. And, um, and we want you to come down and talk to us. So I came, I, I came over and chatted with them. And it definitely became apparent that there was something brewing. And I didn't actually know what it was until the day I started. They were very uh, firm with not giving any information. But it was, they were able to convey um, with that meeting and in that meeting that there was something really, really big that they were working on. And when I moved from Parrot to Sphero, a lot of that was driven by watching the trend in the market and saying there has to be a meaningful software experience around all of this great emerging hardware. And I felt like Sphero had positioned themselves and had built a team to do that. And while I was at Sphero, I realized that like the next Thing was sort of like this idea of a community, like built-in community and being able to leverage that audience in that community and engage them. And, and so I thought there was no better company to go to sort of try that with than Snapchat. Snapchat has this incredible built-in audience, um, people that care about creativity and self-expression and are just a very just very curious. And so um, that's what really attracted to me. And I felt like adding hardware plus software experience plus a community, there couldn't be a better mix for sort of a marketing sandbox or a marketing playground at this time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Franco and I are huge fans of Snapchat and Spectacles as well. My fiance actually ended up going to New York and managed to get both of us a pair from the pop-up store there. So it was pretty cool to get those first experiences and being one of the first people to have them in Canada. But for those who may not know, what are Spectacles? 
Yes, absolutely. So very simply, spectacles are sunglasses that snap. And a snap for us is with a one button press, you can get a 10 second video. The camera is built directly into the sunglass. So what has it been like working with a startup like Snap to build and market their very first hardware product? It has been an exciting and amazing learning opportunity. There is an incredible group of very, very smart people here. Um, I would say from all over the hardware and software industry, I feel like I'm working with the top people in the market on a daily basis. So that's, a, you know, I think a lot of our a lot of our daily lives and our work and our, our jobs, the, the people that are around us impact that significantly. So I couldn't, I can't speak highly enough about the, the folks that I have an opportunity to sit next to every day. And I think it's been exciting because sometimes I think hardware efforts for different companies, they may hold different priorities or, you know, maybe weights inside the company. Like there's a tech company that thinks they probably should be involved in hardware. And so, you know, they acquire somebody or they try to build something internally. And what's really interesting about this situation and what I saw and felt uh, from the moment I first started speaking to the team was that spectacles was that it was born out of snapchat it was really sort of born in tandem with it and it, it's a very very intentional effort for the company and even if you look at um snap snap inc the the snap.com webpage you'll see three really big statements there and that's snap inc is a camera company a lot of people talk about um, snapchat as a social media company but the company is really really focused on this idea of being the way of talking with pictures so it's exciting to see that and then see the snapchat ghost and then spectacles logo sort of all equally weighted next to each other and the reason that's meaningful is that spectacles is the first fully owned camera experience from a 360 degree um, experience for the company and it's exciting to be able to explore that and to really deliver on that for the entire team yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting to see how the company and the community have grown together. And you've obviously got a very talented team working in all areas. But I wanted to highlight Spectacles in particular, since it had an incredible rollout, capturing a lot of attention through the appearance and disappearing Snapbot vending machines, pop-up store locations, and social awareness campaigns for all of this. So how did the idea for the campaign come about? Well, it was definitely a team effort, so many people. And uh, I love talking about this because it was for us very simple. We wore the product, we wore the prototypes. We really wanted to, we want, wanted to look at like, what is the value of this product? And what we kept coming back to is that when we would um, take these prototypes and take the, the product out and use them, there was like such a compelling perspective. You had this beautiful content made from your own point of view. It was an entirely unique, pe you know, pieces of content that, that couldn't be captured in any other way. And what felt most meaningful was was during these times where it was like a unique opportunity to make a memory. And that's why we say spectacles make memories from your perspective, because that's truly how we felt about the product. And so we took these use cases and we said, what are the most meaningful things? Where are the most meaningful places that people are, are making these memories? And we said, what if we could get people to these places that we've been individually or as a team or that we could research and, and figure out 
and bring people to these places so that their first experience would be the the, the best of experiences that we're actually having with the product. And the, the product development had gone on for years. And so we had this group of things like all on a board, you know, and, and we said, okay, what, how could we get people? How could we get people to have these experiences, not just show them a piece of content on an ad somewhere or on a website or in social media, where, how could we actually bring people to have this experience for themselves first? And so a very simple <laughs> answer to that question was, well, let's make a mobile way to sell the product. And so then you know, we thought, okay, well, what about a kiosk? And then we thought, okay, well, you know, our, our brilliant, brilliant designers put uh, together this proposal where it was this autonomous experience. And that autonomous experience could be sort of, it could travel around. And uh, the design, the design of the Snapbot came out of our yellow, which is consistent as a thread across all of our brands. And we have our googly eye mark, which is reminiscent of a camera. And so that's also the mark for um, spectacles. So the circular um, eye, we have the circular content <clears throat> that is made on spectacles for Snapchat. And we have this yellow and then we have this kiosk. And so <laughs> thus was born this narrative around this uh, little bot that would travel to all these places and we decided, it, sort of across your fingers, we hope people get this risk of this is going to be the only way to sell the product <laughs> when we first launched. So um, because we were so passionate about about wanting people to have, you know, no matter what the number was, it, it wasn't about the numbers of people. It was about how many first people can we get to have these experiences and be able to to make their first content in the places where we feel most passionate or have celebrated the most um, in terms of the memories that we've been able to make. And so that was really the driving force behind the Snapbot campaign and, and all, all the mechanics and the exposure and the distribution that happened around making that marketing campaign come to life. I love the bot experience. It was it was so cool seeing it, you know, come to life on Twitter and, and you know, the first one showing up in, in Venice where you guys are based and the design and, and kind of like you were saying with the, you know, the circular mark and, and the circular video, I still get a kick out of because I know it's going to blow people's minds. A, a lot of people that, you know, still haven't seen what the specs can do, showing them that circular video. I always get a kick out of that because like people just lose their mind when they're like, oh my God, you can see all around like this is crazy as you, you know, you tilt your phone and, and show them that that experience that you've captured from like that point of view perspective. Yeah, it is. It's really the the circular content was the closest we could get. It's a hundred and fifteen degree uh, view, and that's the closest we could create to the human eye. So a lot of our inspiration has been about um, seeing things uh, from your own perspective, from your own point of view. How can we how can we marry that experience as close to the way that you experienced it, like reliving that content, reliving those moments inside of um, the memories been in Snapchat should feel like reliving a memory, depending on, you know, the age of that content. And I, I think that's something else that we started to see is that the older and older and older that content gets, the more and more meaningful it becomes um, and truly does feel like a memory, which is 
quite different from the, you know, kind of how the Snapchat brand is because you have, you know, a lot of the um, idea for the content is that it only lives for 24 hours. And so now you can save that content into your memories then as well. So it's, it's really broadening this idea of self-selected, you know, saving or making a memory uh, with Snapchat and Spectacles has been able to be a big part of that. So on the topic of creating memories, what have been some of the coolest experiences you've had the chance to be a part of with the launch of Spectacles? There's a few that that uh, stand out. In particular, we had this awesome opportunity. One of these sort of flippant uh, suggestions that pretty much kind of came from the top and in a reaction to looking at the, the campaign was if we put a snap out of the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And it's very like our team to hear something like that and say, oh, you know what, we can actually make that happen. We can do that. We think few people would come, you know, or maybe they would, or either way that would just seem really, really interesting. So there is a woman that is an expert in experiential marketing um, and she she and I explored this opportunity and she really made it happen. We spent several months working with the Wallapai Indians who own half of the Grand Canyon um, and back and forth visits with them to figure out how we could make something happen that had never happened before, which was basically sling a snapbot to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and sell product there. And so we, about 10 days after we put the first one just on a, in a stall in Venice Beach, we brought a helicopter and and put <laughs> put a bot at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and there was two ways that you get to this net bot. Uh, you could drive from Vegas and take the helicopter tour down to the bottom, or you could take a riverboat and um, along the the river and um, find the snap bot. And I just remember the entire process, having a chance to meet that team and and um, see the incredible content that could be made and the memory that could be made with spectacles uh, for that. Just it felt so meaningful and and so grand. And um, so that was an awesome experience. And then the next morning, actually, it, it took six months to create this incredibly cheeky space in um, New York <laughs> on 5th and Madison. It was just that that uh, effort of, you know, Snapchat is, um, it's all about, we, we do a lot of things to, to foster uh, spontaneity and curiosity. And I think that was one of the things that, that would really delivered on that as well. It was just sort of, sh we showed up and I remember being at midnight, um, when the snapbot graphic dropped from the top of the building in, um, in this, you know, kind of the center of New York and, um, pulling down kind of all the, the last, you know, bits of pieces of paper on the, on the windows and just waiting for waiting to see if, anyone would show up at the store <laughs> because you didn't know. I mean, for all these things, um, as a marketer, there's so many brilliant marketers out there with, with really fantastic ideas. And um, in, in this situation, in the way that we set these things up, it's, it's, you can't help but just feel lucky that um, you build something and people really get it and they really, they really love it. And you've, you've added this um, element of curiosity or playfulness to a day or to someone's life or to a story that someone can tell. And so those, those are just two moments that stand out to me is, is the reveal of the store and, and some of the places that we put the snapbots. 
Yeah, absolutely. Amazing stories. Things that definitely aren't, you know, on the job description when you were chatting, I'm sure. What is a job description for marketing these days? I'm not actually sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, you shared a ton of amazing stories and, and insights for other marketers and entrepreneurs, but do you have any, you know, final thoughts or mottos or, or, or just things that you could leave us, us with, you know, based on your career and your experiences uh, for other people who are looking to kind of go out and, you know, maybe build the next Snapchat, I guess? You know, I think uh, I think with marketing, you know, it's really, really important to stay connected, you know, to your audience in in a way that is is uh, about building value around what it is you have to offer, and constantly trying to put yourself in the the shoes of the of your audience or consumer or community, and think about how they're going to experience not only your product but every touch point of your marketing and I think that takes a lot of openness and it takes a lot of experimentation to start and then in the middle sort of the evaluation process you really have to the tune in to listening and learning and I would say it's it's those things right layering value in with experimenting and then listening and learning and then for me it's a rinse and repeat right and I would say that's you know, that's kind of my approach and my toolkit and um, what I would offer, I guess, to the startup community. <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. Kelly, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. We really appreciate, you know, having you on and, and getting to hear of all those amazing experiences. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear about it and have you share it with friends. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at hack to start or drop us a line, hey at hacktostart.com. You can also subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes by finding Hack to Start on Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.